Hello and welcome to the High Wide and Handsome podcast, episode 23, featuring Tom Mitchum. Uh, great episode, Tom's very knowledgeable. We went on for a bit, as we always do. I think the, the kind of standard time for this podcast now just has to be that 1 hour 30 to 1 hour 45 kind of slot because I can't wrap it up quicker. We get too many good questions, there's too much good stuff to talk about and the guests all have stuff to talk about, so um, it could just be that length going on. Uh, we're nearly at 25 25 episodes quarter of the way to 100 nearly a few very exciting guests coming up then a christmas special with double guests uh, fi davos and the frog findex frog should be very good and what else football index scotland won the competition for the reviews if you haven't already left the review go and do so there will be competitions based on reviews in the future uh, at different milestones throughout this podcast's journey Uh, i'll go into the reviews pick out a winner and give you something so Go leave a review, write a couple of words, leave your Twitter handle, your Facebook account, uh, Instagram, whatever. Let Leave a way for me to contact you and say some nice things. Good reviews obviously have a better chance of winning. Um, yeah, I don't think there's much else to chat to you about. I'm going to put out a tweet today asking for guest suggestions. So let me know who you want on and I'll try and make it happen. We're coming towards the end of the list that I've built up over the last four or five months. But yeah, we'll just go for it. Look, have a great week, whatever you're up to, and uh, it's starting to get towards Christmas, so I hope you're getting in the mood. And now we have Tom Mitchum with us. Tom, how's things? Hello, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. I'm great too, I'm great. Thanks for joining me. Um, with a small bit of a tech issue, but you ploughed on and you're on your third laptop, is it? Yeah, we've uh, dusted one off out of the cupboard that probably hasn't been used in 18 months, so um, we'll see how it holds up. Could be a short show. Well, that's doing the job anyway. Um, we'll launch straight into it anyway. Mm-hmm. If you want to tell us a bit about your football index journey, when you started, maybe any milestones, and if you want, you can drop figures. You don't have to. There's no pressure. That sort of thing. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, so I started off on FI around um, January 2017. Uh, one of my mates just messaged me and said, I've, I've seen this site here and there. Have you spotted it? And I hadn't. Um, so he'd put, I think, sort of 50 quid in at the time or so. And he said, I'm up to 54 within a couple of days. So I was like, oh, right. Okay. Sounds like a bit of profit potentially. So um, yeah, jumped on. Uh, so nearly three years ago uh, now, Started fairly small, like most people do, um, but I did make quite a lot initially from IPOs. Um, for those who've sort of been on Football Index for a long time, they'll remember that we used to have the two players come on at 1pm on a Friday, so I uh, tended to be quite careful and cagey around the work diary around 1pm on Friday and, and get on those couple of players really quickly. Uh, yeah. So that kind of helped me to to grow um, my balance fairly quickly, which obviously then helps grow the portfolio. Um, so within sort of six months, so by June 2017, I'd, I'd withdrawn the initial amount that I'd put in and was playing solely with profit. Um, and that's been the case ever since, really. So I've been playing with profit for nearly two and a half years now. Um, had a, a fairly, I, I'd say sort of a medium sized portfolio. Um, had a, I would say over the last six months or so, a, a little bit of a rocky relationship with FI. I think things changed direction a couple of times, which I wasn't too sure on. So 
I've actually used a couple of the deposit bonuses recently rather than sort of stocking up on your Neymars like everyone does and then sending out loads of rockets on Twitter. I actually use them to sell a lot of my players uh, and sort of reevaluate and, and rejig my portfolio altogether. So I've actually sold my whole port and rebought the whole thing twice in the last few months. Um, but I think with the the recent div increases, I'm fairly comfortable with my strategy I've landed on now. and. Uh, yeah, with the 12 Rockets, hopefully we're uh, heading into a good place. That's it. And uh, Did you have any frustration at the time when you felt you needed to sell your port and rejig, or are you happy? were you happy? Do you know, I've, I've seen a lot of people who have a bit of a gripe towards FI about moving the goalposts, so to say, in terms of changing dividends and this and that. Uh, did, did that ever Was that ever an issue for you, or were you happy enough selling the port and rejigging? Yeah, I think it was probably a bit kind of mentally, it was a bit of a reactionary thing where I was a little hesitant and a little upset at first, especially when they moved more towards IPDs. Um, I think I'd been set up as a a kind of long-term holder, a bit of a dinosaur, if you will, who held quite a lot of players for quite a long time and just allowed them to grow with the market and collect dividends here and there. And when we moved towards IPDs and you were seeing, you know, random player X from La Liga scoring and going up 40p all of a sudden and PB players dropping, etc. It was a bit tricky at the time, but um, I think initially I had, as I say, kind of a reactionary, oh God, I don't like this. But then after a couple of days of having sold my players, it's like, well, I need to adapt now. So um, taking October as an example, so towards the end of September, I said, right, okay, well, if, if IPDs are the place to go and is where all the the growth is at the minute, then I'll jump into that. So early October, I set up a a port that was solely IPDs with the idea that I'd I'd have that port for 30 days, collect the IPDs and then um, potentially sell up again or keep some of them um, and then set up a completely new portfolio the month after. And of course, we then had towards the end of October, I think it was the the 57 cent PB or div increase across the board. So it was kind of perfect time because I used that rise to to sell up on those IPD players, and now I've moved back into into PB. So the latest moving of the goalposts actually helped me, if anything. Yeah, it's it's one of those things. I said it's it's adapt or die, and you were obviously very good at adapting, which is great. A lot of people would have held those IPDs and just ranted on Twitter about it for a month, <laughs> and then yep. finally got around to adapting and missed the opportunity um have you have, has there been any stage where you felt you've had to take a substantial amount out of your your fi account has that happened yet uh so it it has done um i'll try to remember when it was but there, there was one change um i think it was when we moved from just having 200 players and, and out into having um the whole squad being tradable uh where i did sort of see my ass for one of a better word at the time and withdrew quite a lot of money but before a lot of it had even hit my bank. I was messaging, as I'm sure a lot of people have, I was messaging FI to say, can you cancel that withdrawal? Because um, <laughs> you, you kind of have that initial overreaction, I think, where you, you don't like the direction that it's heading. But then when you sit down within a day or so and put a bit more of a rational head on it, you realize, okay, I just need to adapt and um, and get that money back in there and, and get it working for me. So so it has happened, but I'm I'm now at a fairly sim in terms of the amount of money I've got in there. It's fairly similar to what it's been for the last couple of years. Um, it's probably a little bit lower uh, because I've diversified into a couple of other products, which we may or may not mention. But um, but yeah, overall, I've I've kept a relatively steady amount in 
in FI. And I'm at the moment, I'm very comfortable with that amount. Yeah, you've referenced other products. I, I, I know one of them is definitely Footstock. I don't know what the other one might be. It could be Sportstack, um, but it's very, it's very new, so it's probably not it. Anyway, yeah. what I'm gonna, what I'm getting at this is to say, for people who are tuning in specifically because you're big in the Footstock world, it is. Um, we'll have a good like Footstock chat towards the end. We'll have a specific sort of Footstock section, um, and we're gonna chat some miscellaneous questions which are quite milf related and then <laughs> we'll go in there'll be other normal questions but i've quite a bit to talk to talk to you about first yep um i was talking to a guy called cloning arteta on slack and he gave me a good bit of feedback uh good positive feedback good negative feedback constructive criticism and he gave me a few questions and things he thinks would be great to hear from most guests and do you know what we'll give him a go um because i do love some constructive criticism so even if you're not liking something i'm doing do reach out i do care I get a lot of people who write to me and be like, you mightn't give a fuck, mate. Oh, I said the F word. Uh, here we doing go. a charity swear thing. You may or may not know, but here we go. There's a quid to charity, for God's sake. Um, but yeah, send me some feedback is the bottom line. What trade mistake have you made that you won't make again? Like, is there anything you've done and you've been like, that was absolutely terrible. I will not do that again. So I guess broadly, and I, I imagine a hell of a lot of people make this mistake. There's probably a hell of a lot of people doing it now and they're not aware of it yet. I, I really think overtrading is the biggest mistake that virtually everyone will make at some point where mm. you're seeing players rise and you're seeing some of yours fall. And rather than taking a kind of level-headed view and thinking, well, my player will rise again when they hit PB or if they get a media win, etc., that player that I'm seeing firing up the trending list is only actually rising due to a single goal or a single game that they've got a, a single or a bronze day uh, fixture for, as it is now. And you you instant sell your player, you buy into that guy who's flying up the rankings. And um, a couple of days later, you, you realise that if anything, because of the instant sell and the commission and everything, that you've actually cost yourself more than you've made. Um so I think I've definitely done that. I mean, we we used to sort of joke in the first year that I was on FI with with the guy who um, got me to sign up for it. He said, I might just put it all in Messi. You know, it, it, it makes sense. I know Messi's the best player in the world, although I'm sure some would debate that. Um, I think he's undervalued compared to, <clears throat> excuse me, compared to a lot of the market. And um we realised at the end of that year, if if we'd done that, we would have actually made more than we had through spending, I don't know, probably 20 plus hours on FI every week, trading in and out of players and instant selling here, market selling here, et cetera. You know, it's, um, I think really just over trading in general um, is is a massive thing. And and obviously for FI in a way, it's a good thing because they, they then have a, a bit of volatility, which means there's big profits to be made for people who, who play it right. And obviously they make a, a hell of a lot of money via that instant sell button, I'm sure. But yeah, I think, um, so there's a guy called uh, Football Index Chat that I'm sure you're aware of. I think he sold up a, a little while ago, but he put quite a lot of money in the index early on. And, and the gains that he made just by holding players for two or three years far outstrip what I've made. Whereas all he had to do was sit there and hold those players, whereas I'm jumping in and out of players. I'm spending so much time on FI, especially in those first couple of years, um, which ultimately has to be over trading. If you could have just sat and enjoyed the growth of the index um, and done better, then then effectively you have to be over trading and, and killing your port to an to an extent by doing that. Um, 
So I'd say generally that's probably the biggest one. Um, going to a, a more specific example, um, a couple. So at one point when FI made an announcement, it was quite a long time ago, so I can't remember which one it was. Um, it might have been the opening up of PB possibly, but I had, I think I had 800 Benucci, and this is pre-share split, so it was, it was quite a lot. I had about 800 Benucci, I think at about pound thirty, and he had a single game day coming up, etc. So. He seemed good value at the time, and and I was in a, a WhatsApp group. And when the the FI announcement came out, one of the guys in the group convinced me that Benucci was about to lose lose his shirt, basically, and that um there was no value in in a defender or a single game day anymore. I don't think his point was rational, but I I just sort of took it and ran with it, and instant sold all of those shares. The player had dropped quite a bit, so I I lost a shed load. I think it was like six hundred quid or something daft just on Jeez. a random Italian defender. Just by just by instant selling and and getting yeah. caught up in it and um yeah he he did drop a fair bit but then within a couple of days later he was up to like one forty so if I'd just held not only would I have not lost that six hundred but I'd probably made another you know three or four hundred something like that so um yeah that was a bad one where I was I was listening to someone else's advice and and not sort of thinking rationally for myself um. And then I did have a bad one with Zlatan as well at one point where after he'd gone to the MLS, he dropped to like 25p or something like that. And I thought, there's no way we're going to keep Zlatan out of the media while he's still playing football forever. So I bought something daft like 2000 Zlatan at 25p and um, everyone I was talking to on Twitter and in groups were sort of, you're mad, you know, Zlatan's done, he's got one leg, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I, I kind of chickened out and sold him at probably 28p, you know, something like that for a few quid profit. And and then one of the links broke. I can't remember which one it was, but it was probably it was being linked to somewhere in Italy or something like that. And he shot up to like 55p. You know, so if, if I'd just gone with my gut and held my conviction that you can't keep Zlatan out of the media, I would have doubled my money in him. And instead I had to mm. sit there and, <laughs> and watch it, you know, with my few pence yeah. in the bank while he, while he shot up. So um, yeah, I think trusting yourself to an extent um, is crucial and also um, avoiding the overtrading, definitely. I think it's it's a really hard thing, but I think the, the common theme with both of those mistakes that you're talking about is patience. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, and myself included, I think what happens is you have a strategy in your head as to how you're going to make money off a player and you lose sight of that. Yep. Because especially with injury trading, or let's say, for example, January transfers. A lot of people might have bought their players a month ago for that. Yep. And now that the things are happening and, oh, there's a Chilwell's rocketing and, and Trent Alexander flying fullbacks, there might have been, and other things have happened. And other players, Spurs, Mourinho, Keynes going mental, I need my money in Deli Alley. But there are definitely people who have jumped from that transfer type hold or injury type hold who've instant sold because it's been stagnant for a couple of weeks they've jumped across onto a trend they've got bought in at the peak they've had to, they're sitting there they're maybe a few pence down and their other holds are starting to take off it's having that conviction in your decision and sticking with it um, and being patient i think the biggest mistake i've made and a lot of people have made is a lack of patience um yeah the only time now that i jump out of a, a trade before the strategy that I went into that trade with specifically has come to fruition. The only time I jump out is if I see an opportunity um, and the opportunity cost is there. So let's say I see an opportunity where I'm like, okay, I can take a, an 8% hit here right now 
mm-hmm. that money. But I would bet my left nut that he will jump twenty percent in the next three days. Sometimes I'll just do that. Yeah, and it doesn't always work out. Yeah, it's it's interesting. So um, Hakim Ziyech uh, or Ziyech or however you say it, the Ajax guy, um, he'd be a good yeah. example of that for me. So um, I was looking at PB scores. I think it was with Ross Dyer and a couple of other the uh, famous uh, Twitterati, um, and we realised that that Ziyech is completely suited to PB. Um, he, to an extent, I know this is arguable, but I think he probably is too good for Ajax, even though I know Ajax are a fairly big club nowadays. Um, he's too good for that league, I guess, is the point. And um, we saw it as a no-brainer to stock up on him at the time, um, knowing that he will get a move at some point. And when he does, if he goes to a club where he's the talisman, he's the creative mid, um, then he'll get a lot of the set pieces, etc., and he'll be suited to the PB matrix. Um, that was probably 18 months ago now and he still hasn't moved so um, mm. his rises have, have kind of come and gone and I've bought and sold I think I've got him now again for another window but I guarantee I've cost myself money by selling him um, and then jumping back on him for each window rather than just holding I think he um, he has won a bit of PB if I, I believe so from the uh, Champions League games, probably last season now. Last season, um, yeah, so it, he did. Yeah, he so there's actually been season. returns. Yeah, so, um, you know, it's it's players like that that we kind of jump in and out of and, and it can be a dangerous game at times. Um, I think there was a question about uh, Brian Diaz at Real Madrid. Um, he's a really good example for me and I can, I can launch into that one. But um, at the start of the season... Um, I thought he would be absolutely huge. Um, Zidane was looking to use him towards the end of last season. He was playing really well. They've got a 750 million euro release clause on him. So I I thought he'd be a key piece of uh, Zidane's jigsaw this season. Um, And he had a couple of injuries in pre-season. He's he's then not even making the squad most weeks. I think he came on for about five minutes in the Champions League game. And that's about all we've seen of him. Um, So... It would be really, really easy to sell um, the shares that I've I've got in him. You know, if you look at it impartially, he's a he's not even a bit part player at Real Madrid at the moment. He's about um, probably ninth choice on the wings. Um, but when you talk about you know having that conviction and patience, I know he's a talented kid. Um, you know, saw him in the Carabao Cup and stuff at City and um, Real Madrid. Obviously, really fought for him. Man City fought to keep him. And this is a kid who's on who's at about I think he's one pound twenty four, one pound twenty five now. So it would be really easy to jump off him. I've got quite a lot of money um, stocked up in him. He's actually my biggest hold in kind of um, pound signs. Um, but if I did, what happens on Wednesday when Zidane suddenly chucks him into the Champions League team and he scores the first goal? He's gone from one twenty five to one what one fifty, one sixty probably I guess. Mm, um, yeah. You know, and, and I could have easily sold him a month ago when he keeps not even being in these squads. And I'm absolutely determined to see this one out. Um, so this isn't me, you know, pumping a player. I, I think he's he's probably correctly valued at the minute because he's not playing football and he's clearly not in favour at Real Madrid and they've got all the talent with Rodrigo and Vinicius and Kubo and whoever else they've got. Um, but it's one where I know that if I hold firm, I think the downside is... I'm not really sure how much lower he can go with the the talent that the FI guys know he has. Um, But I think the upside there is massive, be it in the Real Madrid team or going to another club. 
Um, so I'm I'm absolutely um, assure anyone that I won't be selling my holdings in him. Yeah, I think the thing is the patience is great, and it's a it's a really vital attribute to have when you're a trader. But I think for me, the two the times that I would say it's okay to to give up on why I bought that player, even though if I know they have a rise in the long term, is if the situation has blatantly changed fundamentally. I don't mm-hmm. know if they've a complete positional change or something and the other time would be opportunity cost um i'll give you an example for example for example earlier this week i've actually made two of my biggest sort of calls in terms of instant sales in the last week um the two biggest instant sales i've made and people will listen to this and they'll probably think this guy is an absolute idiot mm-hmm. but hear me out i bought virgil van dyke whenever the pb announcement was made thinking People aren't going to think of this guy immediately, but when he starts scoring goals with his head, and Trent wasn't in the spotlight at this time to the same extent, he's going to start going up. He'll go well over three quid again. His media appeal, Euros, blah, blah, blah. He dropped from when I bought him by about 15, 20p. I bought him at 275. I think he went down to about 260. I've no doubt if I hold him or held him longer, he would have risen again. However... I had bought Harry Kane. I got into Harry Kane about a month ago because I've talked about it in the podcast. I seen. I was actually surprised. I didn't realize just how often he'd won dividends. Yeah. Um. I gave him a quick search to see his highest score or something, and seen the PB wins and the MB wins and stuff. And I was like, "Why is this guy like? Why is he not shot up more? Um. With these dividend increases, because I remembered holding him back in like May or June, and he was like a fiver, and he was only like five thirty when I was looking at him. I was like, "What is going on?" Anyway, I bought a lot. I bought maybe a hundred of them. Um, which is a decent chunk for me. And uh, earlier in the week, it was actually bef- it was when the Mourinho, the morning after the Mourinho appointment, um, I was looking at my portfolio. And I was like, I want more money to put into Kane. I was driving to work and I was getting these notifications of Kane. He's up to 557 from index again, 567, mm-hmm. 570. I was like, this isn't stopping. I, was like, I, want, like, I can sit here and wait or I can get more into him, which I want to do. So I instant stole Virgil van Dijk. I got two forty five. I took a fifteen p hit per future, and I stuck it all on Harry Kane, and I more than made that money back yep. within about an hour. Um, so that was the first big one that paid off. The second big one that paid off was I instant sold Jaden Sancho a hundred of them earlier this week. Wow, which is insanity, right? It's fucking insanity, <laughs> and I'll drop a quid in here. It fucking but he is. was my biggest yeah. holding. He was my biggest hold. I tried to deposit money in for the IPOs on Monday. It was Monday, wasn't it? Uh, Monday, yes. Tuesday? Yep. Tried to deposit money straight out of the bank account. Couldn't get it to deposit with FI. They said, look, using saved card details isn't working at the minute. So I retyped the details, tried to submit twice. Didn't work. I said, I need money for these IPOs. I'm off today. I woke up a quarter to 11. Some of them were out. There was an hour and 15 minutes left in the window. And Brandon Williams was there, mm-hmm. as well as a couple of others. And I said, I need money. So I instant sold Sancho because I worked out he had one of the lower spreads or something. Um, I think it was just because he was my biggest holding as well. I got so like 650 quid. Um, I had 100 of them. Or did I get I got 600 quid back for that, actually. Um, and I traded the IPOs. And I had 950 quid in the account by the end of the day. And I was nice. up 350 quid. Yeah. So it was insanity selling them however i felt i had to do it because i knew i'd make money mm-hmm. this 
it's something we'll get on to actually these IPO window kind of things it's so easy to make money that way but we get on to it um, oh. but basically what I'm saying is like they're my two biggest kind of not having the patience I suppose you could say but I did them both for a reason and thankfully they both paid off yeah. but I've never instance sold that harshly with decent premium players before yeah um, I, th- I think the, the Van Dyke one's interesting because um, you're right, you are effectively costing yourself money by instant selling a um, you know a top player and a, a guy who's probably going to be a, a top-class centre-back for the next, I don't know, six, seven, eight years. Um, but I do think to an extent he the, the situation has changed with him a little bit probably since you bought him in that, um, obviously I don't know when you bought him, but I would say since this season has started, his situation has changed just simply down to how good Trent is on PB. Yeah, um, agreed. I think, realistically, the only way Van Dijk can ever win PB is with a goal. Now, I expect him to score quite a few. I've actually got a bet um, with one of my mates that he scores five-plus goals this season. Um, it might even be five no bet, and he has to score six. Um, so I was uh, I was bigging him up. I think he scored in the first Premier League game, didn't he, or the second game. So I, I thought he was going to go on a, a Steve Bruce-type goal-scoring run, but it hasn't really happened. But um, <laughs> yeah, I think he, he can only really win PB with a goal. Um, and I think even if he does, so let's say he gets a 250 score with a game-winning goal, he'll fly up naturally. But I, my suspicion is after another two or three games, he'll come right back down, regardless of how he's performing, if he doesn't win PB, because people, the, the sentiment will be, oh, look, yeah, he won PB once, but Trent smashed him the following three games. You know, so I, I yeah. just think the power of, um, power of Mr. Alexander-Arnold, unless he gets injured, um, just really limits what Van Dijk can do. I think he's, he's a great player and he's probably a decent hold at his price. I don't know what his price is, but... Um, it's two sixty ish. Might have dropped since, but I sold him a two sixty earlier in the week. Yeah, so so how he goes much higher than that, I don't know. I mean, you know, his his media can't really increase because Liverpool won the Champions League last year. You can't get much bigger than that. Um, I suppose winning the Premier League potentially gives him another slew of media, but um, yeah, it's uh, it's a funny one with him. Um, but I think you're right. I think in terms of when you need to take that patience away and just hit the button. I think it, a lot of the time it is down to um, a change in the, a, a wholesale change in the current position for the player versus what you bought them for. And that's, that's literally a position as in if um, let's take Kimmich, for example. So if Kimmich moves to a midfielder, his value changes. Um, but also if you just see something like um I'm, I'm naming far too many players here, um, but I actually own Mason Mount and I haven't done anything with him, but I maybe should have. So I was having a look at um, set-piece stats the other day and um, can see that Mason Mount had dropped off corners in the last, uh, I think it was the last two Chelsea games before the Man City game. He hadn't taken a single corner and Willian had taken the vast majority. Now, um, we know how much the, the uh, Matrix loves crosses and corners and the like. So... That really should have set off warning bells that potentially Mount isn't the um, the, the central talisman and the, the one and only set-piece taker and the main man at Chelsea. Um, I haven't done anything with it because it's only a couple of game samples, so I'm not certain yet. But I think there's an argument there to say that in that scenario, if you've got a guy who's PB dependent and his PB strength is largely set-pieces and corners and the like, 
if you see that they've dropped off those set pieces, um, then maybe it should set alarm bells and, and maybe it is good to get out before other people realise. Um, so I've not taken my own advice there, but um, yeah. Yeah, everyone's going to realise tomorrow at about two o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> indeed, um, indeed. But yeah, something you touched on very briefly was about how the, the buying into Messi and if you just left it, you'd have made more money than if you just uh, than if you actively traded. And that's the most disheartening thing in the world, isn't it? Like, because I know on Fantasy Premier League, there's like a site that you can look at that puts in your initial team um, and it shows you how many points you would have had if you didn't make a transfer the whole yeah. season. And I looked at it. Now, this was a few weeks ago. Now, I've had a few really good weeks, but before that, I was down like 50 points. And I felt I'd played well. Yeah. I didn't feel I'd made any terrible decisions, but um, that was the most disheartening thing I've ever seen. Yeah, so it's, it's a good job we recorded the pod today and not yesterday because I had the worst um, fantasy football week day I think I've ever had. Um, so I've, oh, no. I'm, I'm fairly big into fantasy, so I've got an FPL team and I've got um, one to help my mate run as well. And then I've got three draft teams on uh, Real FF. Um, I, yeah. I lost every I'd lost every real FF match by about half time yesterday. Um, on my FPL team, I decided to hold my transfer, not bring in Vardy, and wait till next week because I didn't think they'd score many against Brighton. Um, I have Madison, um, and there was something else I wanted to moan about. But anyway, so so Madison's goal gets disallowed, um, or Sterling as well. So I've got Sterling as well. His goal. It's disallowed because his heel is bigger than Zuma's ass or whatever it was. Um, and then Vardy misses a penalty and gets to retake it uh, quite legitimately. But yeah, so um, about 4.45 yesterday, I was um, messaging, what's up in my, uh, my draft league group saying I'm quitting and I'm going to delete the league and, you know, almost had to be taught off the ledge because um, <laughs> bloody VAR is just is killing me this year, really is. Yeah, it's it's uh, VAR. We could talk about for days, and we won't. But it's oh, some of the decisions. That Sterling one was ab- an absolute howler. Um, my worst ever fantasy Premier League thing happened, and it happened to a lot of people. Was the Automandy uh, Lundstrom thing? Yeah. Where Automandy was my f- Lundstrom was my first sub. He scored twenty one points or something. Automandy was on. He didn't play any. Come on in the ninety third minute. <laughs> and robbed me of those twenty something points. That was the worst thing that's happened to me in about ten years of FPL. Yeah. Um. But look, we'll move on to another question. Um, let's see, what's an interesting one? We'll actually, you know, and briefly touched on it. So we may as well talk about that batch of IPOs um, and the the fact that FI reverted to the method of maybe allocating batches of players to time slots. Now, I don't think it's the way it needs to be done going forward at all. I don't think it's a suitable method. I don't know why they reverted to it. I think they bowed maybe to the pressure from the community, from other people about this whole having people sitting at their computers 24-7. I don't know. Because there was a lot of negative press about it being the gambling mm-hmm. week and gamble responsibly, yet people are on Football Index yeah. 20 hours of the day, they sleep for four, burly sharks, they have to search players. Do you know, maybe they thought the batches was more ethical? I don't know. or better practice i'm not sure yeah i've so this might be a bit conspiratorial and might not be the case but um i saw it so i, I think we said it was monday before but it, it wasn't was it it was um was it friday i think um because though those ipos been, didn't yeah. they come out on the day that sports launched 
did they? I believe I so. This. Yeah, I, should, I could look at my transactions here, I'm, like, but yeah, I'm pretty sure they were Friday, and I think they they announced it on the Thursday evening, if I remember rightly. So, um, my kind of um tinat conspiracy theory said, how do we um as a company take away the spotlight from this brand new product that's launching on Friday? Um. How can we do that, Adam? I know. Let's uh, chuck a load of IPOs out there. I may be completely wrong. I might be mixed up on the dates, but um, that was well, my right, actually, reaction. Friday. Yeah, so, I had it so, in my head that it must have been earlier in the week because I was working, but I actually had a day off on Friday. I was working yeah. every day around it. must have been Friday, yeah. So, so that was my suspicion. And if that's the case, to be fair, I don't blame them. I mean, I, I think it was mentioned on, um, on that other football index podcast and i don't want to get you riled up and thinking about mma fights or anything but um yeah i think it, i think uh, fig mentioned the other day that um if a competitor is coming about um fi is now big enough that they can pretty much quash the initial competition by doing something like a deposit bonus or a um a slew of ipos or a competition etc you know they can get the spotlight back on fi and and it felt like to me that's what they did because sports stack was supposed to launch at about midday um they actually launched a little bit earlier i suspect to try and get the spotlight back on them um but yeah all of a sudden um football index chuck a load of ipos in it just felt a bit um interesting the timing um one question on that actually so you mentioned that you uh, sold Sancho to try and get money for those IPOs, and obviously there's been a lot of talk around the best way to do them. If they were IPOs over yeah. a week, like we had the other week, would you have been selling players to get funds to stare at your computer for a week? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I've talked about it before. Um, I did very well off the Troy Parrot Kubo IPO process. It was my first experience of IPOs, and. All I did and all I did this week was sit there and relentlessly search mm-hmm. players' names in the search bar. And when it pops up, I just click on it. I, have a, I had as much of a balance as I could and I buy max and I buy max. And then I wait and then I see it kind of starting to stagnate and sort of flicker down a penny, up a penny, down a penny. And then I list all the market and that's it. Yeah. And I know there's there's different views on this and there's, the view I've seen, like GMK put it about, like the people, how are FI allowing people to take advantage of new traders and how is this? And I don't feel great doing it, but the bottom line is we're all here to make money. And if Football Index are giving me the opportunity to make money, I'm going to do it. And if I wake up, which I did at quarter to 11, and I know that I just open up IPO chat on Index Games going crazy, I know Brandon Williams and maybe one or two others are available. And I'm sitting there and I have nothing to do. And I think, right, the chances of them actually running out of 12 on the daughters are slim. I can put in, they'll probably do it before quarter to 12. Mm-hmm. I'll put in an hour, an hour of search in here. And there's a potential for me to make two or 300 quid. Like, that's no joke. Two or 300 quid in an hour. Like, I was like, no brainer. And that's what led me to sell on Sancho to get a cash balance. Because I sat there and I was like, I need to get this money. If it's not working from the bank, I can try and chase up the credit card or debit card, but it's not working. Mm-hmm. I need to get money. Um, and I did, and I got into, I got my first 300 of your man, McWilliams, at 107. Not McWilliams, Williams. Sorry, Brandon Williams. Yep. Um, I got him at 107, and then I bought more at like 136 or something and sold them all at 155. Now, 
I had no intentions of buying them. It's a completely flawed system. I should, in my opinion, be made to hold them for a certain length of time, or there should be some other sort of blind bidding system or something different. But while this is this the situation and while this is the the method, I'm going to take advantage of that, and everyone else can try and take advantage of it if they wish. Do you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and if and if they don't wish, don't buy. Don't get involved. Don't buy the players. You know, it's it's not like as a term term under terms and conditions of FI that you have to buy every single IPO. Um, so yeah, it's a it's a tricky one. Uh, and just having a quick look now, you probably should have held those Brandon Williams because he scored today, I didn't know. he? Um, it's just I watched it, it. It's just at one hundred and eighty. Um, so uh, yeah, I think to be fair, I don't know. I think well, obviously one eighty. I think I think that goal is an absolute. I don't think he'll be a prolific goal scorer by any right. means as a fullback. Um, I don't think he'll be the type of fullback that gets you a goal every five or six games, or even like an Andy Robertson type guy where he gets one. Do you know, like regularly enough. But he's young. He's exciting. I think to be honest with you, his price is obviously going to be the timing of this goal was amazing. Um, but I'm happy I got out when I did. Yeah. Um, but. A very exciting player, and that that match was class today. As much as I would have liked United to have held on, but it was really good game. Yeah, it was nuts, wasn't it? I was um, so mm. there, there was a lot of banter going backwards and forwards on my phone um, while I was I was cooking actually, and uh, yeah, I would say that the first half was one of the worst, most turgid first halves I've ever seen from Manchester United, and I'm you know I'm not young, so I've seen plenty of them. They were absolutely horrendous. I know Sheffield United are are going well and that they're kind of a throwback and it's a different style to play against but Jesus Christ man United were crap weren't they United need uh, Fernandez or someone in the middle of that park yeah. it, for me what they're missing the three front guys looked they just looked a bit lost they looked like there was nothing on for them every time mm-hmm. but I feel like they're the types of players that can make the runs that a creative player in the middle of them an Eriksen a Fernandez a someone who can an Odegaard, do you know like one of these guys who can make that pass? Yeah. I just feel like defensive wise, if like I know Jones got hauled off and he had a howler. Maguire's great. Uh, he's a good player, like uh Wambasak is class. Your mm-hmm. man Williams held his own. De Gea is a world class keeper, whatever people say about him. He is a really good keeper. Now he has had some bad ones in the last season or two, but like he's he is a great keeper. Mm-hmm. Um the three forwards look great. It's just that middle of the park. Fred and Pereira, I mean, come on, lads. They they need to, to invest in there. But yeah, look, people can listen to stuff about matches on a million other podcasts Indeed. that we'll also talk about football index. Yeah, so um so I guess just to answer the question about IPO, so I think we've effectively seen three different systems now, haven't we? We've seen the um the two players coming in at one o'clock specials, which we used to have back in the day. Um Completely unfair, and um, if you were available at one o'clock and you uh, had quick hands, you could make a shitload of money. Uh, I'm, you've got me swearing now. Um, <laughs> we, we've got the second system of these um, two-hour time slots, which we now seem to have reverted to. I think um, it's it's not the fairest in that you um, any experienced traders know how to use it. You know, anyone with a, an Android phone, and there's a, a tip for people: if you've got a an Apple device, you want to buy yourself a cheap ass um, Android phone because it's a hell of a lot cheaper to get on IPOs with an Android phone. Um, Is it? Yeah. Hi. Absolutely. They just come up quicker. Um, really? Because I've done yeah. really well with an like I have an iPhone 10 or whatever, and I, I mean, I get on with my, with Williams at 107 now. Maybe that could have been 103 or something with an Android. Is that just the internet connection or something? Um, I. 
I couldn't actually tell you. So so I used to use an Apple device when we used to have the two players coming on at one o'clock and it used to work perfectly well. Um, but then at some point, and you know, I'm not alone in this view, there's, um, I've, I've been in groups where this has been discussed, and um, at some point the apps were updated and the Android app just became faster and better to use than the Apple um, app. So I couldn't tell you why, but the two different app versions, Android, if if I try an IPO now, so I have um I have a Samsung that I use for work and various things, it's a shed load quicker than um my iPhone, which is a, a relatively up to date iPhone. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, anyway, we shouldn't we shouldn't be giving people tips on these things, should we? But um but yeah, I've I've found that. So so yeah, I think going back to these two hour time slots, um I don't see from a fairness perspective, I don't see how these two-hour time slots are better um, than the the third system they came up with, which was this kind of week of IPOs. But then on the flip side, there is this problem where you've got people staring at their um, PC all week while we're in gambling awareness week. So it's tricky. Um, I Realistically, I don't think any of the three um, systems are great. I'm amazed that FI have let it go so long without coming up with something better. Um, the answer always seems to be we're working on it. Um, whether that's because they make a shed load of commission through the current processes or not, I don't know. Um, or whether they're waiting mm-hmm. for NASDAQ and, and the you know the magic wand that NASDAQ are going to wave over all the tech. Um, it's, it's tricky to say, but um, I think generally, from a fairness perspective, the um, having all the IPOs just at random over a week was the best system of the three. Um, the least profitable for the IPO hunters out there, but but probably the fairest. Yeah, I think over the week is the fairest. Absolutely, I think the but in terms of general well being and whatever, if I are treading a dangerous line because they are a gambling mm. um, company. But yeah, I mean, I I'm kind of torn because I know that the the time slots is terrible, and I know it's not great, and I know people it's it's not paying people for their football knowledge it's paying people for fast fingers but if everyone gets su- sufficient notice about these ipos and you know they're coming i'm not saying if i have done this in the past but if you knew they were coming in two weeks on friday at 2 p.m if it was a player you wanted or if you really want to make money you you 90 of people can make sure they're off work i mean if it's yeah. a sick day I mean, it can be done, is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And everyone, regardless of what you think, everyone's on a level playing field. And it mightn't suit you that day, and that's a shame, but it mightn't suit someone else on a different day. And it's not great, and I think it can be way better. Yeah. But I don't know what is better as an overall balance, the weekly thing or the time slot thing. Mm. I mean, I like the time slot thing because I make a lot of money from yes. it because I'm a shift worker and I'm off all the mm-hmm. time. So I'm slightly biased here, don't get me wrong. Yeah, I mean, if it could go back to the two players coming on at 1pm every Friday, that used to be my weekend bonus. So, you know, that would be brilliant for me. You feel shitty doing it, but your bank bonds don't feel shitty about it. Um, <laughs> exactly. But yeah, I, I think one thing they could do, but it might not for some reason be in their best interest to do, is to put an education piece up on the site somewhere around just an explanation or a video of what happens during IPOs that new traders have to go through. You know, like when you have to supposedly read terms and conditions when you sign up to, um, you download a new iOS or you sign up to a product or whatever. Just a video that explains that when players are IPO'd, 
they do initially spike so you could get burnt and obviously put it in a bit more professional language than this but um yeah you could get burnt and what we generally see is that um they fly up they come back down a bit they then kind of settle so you could buy a day later a couple of days later and you're probably not going to lose a huge amount of money i just think there's maybe a, a bit of an education piece that they could they could do there around it yeah because i i actually don't think that too large a percentage of the the actual people who lose out on ipos are probably beginners they're probably people who are trying to do it fast and take a bite of their sandwich and pick it up and buy it just that second too late because i mean i think to be a new user to be there at the time to see the player flying up to buy it and then get burnt i think the chances of those things happening because this all happens within like one minute yeah like you're talking within 60 seconds you've either missed the boat and he's coming back down or he's not you haven't missed the boat it's it's the chances of that person being a beginner to be there searching that player or to see them on the trend list to think yes i'll buy them without doing any research to buy them at the peak and then to lose money i think the chances of that are quite slim yeah i think so i think, I think people think... who get burnt are people who are actively trying to get the ipo and just hit buy too late and don't evaluate the value of the player well enough yeah i think i think people have got so savvy to it and there's such a, a kind of um dark art to these ipos now that if you were an actual true beginner and you'd not been shown how to do ipos or anything I don't actually think you'd get on at the peak. I think you'd actually get on once it starts coming back down because you just wouldn't be fast enough to get on the peak. I mean, I don't know the exact, you know, seconds or anything, but if if I release an IPO now, the peak is very quick, isn't it? You know, it's it's within a minute. And if I'm a new trader that I don't know um, that certain phones might be faster than others, I don't know the best way to search the name in the squad and keep refreshing the page or whatever it is nowadays, you know, I just happen to spot that player come up and I press buy and then I might press um, buy max by or cancel by accident or whatever because I'm brand new to the app. I, th- I think it's fairly unlikely that they're getting on at the peak. I think, like you say, it's more likely someone is getting on at the peak who is actually trying to IPO hunt, who's done it before, and he's just a millisecond slower than, than the rest of them. Yeah. And I've done it in the past. You know, I've, I've definitely I... got on at the peak by accident. Yeah, definitely. I've done it as well. I actually pocket dialed, bought uh, 300 Demiral whenever he IPO'd <laughs> at his peak. I bought 300 of them and spent like 200 and something quid. He was like 80p. Um, but yeah, no, I do I do think, and I think there's more things than just this that if I should have like a quick, you need to click these buttons and go through the tutorial. Mm-hmm. Um, common ways to get burned trending lists, etc. Um, but we move on. Um, something I just wanted to talk about very quickly is this is the second week. This is off topic a little bit, so sorry if I bore you. Um, well, but Trade and Bear, he hasn't been on last week. He hasn't been on this week. Um, and I was sort of talking to him. He wrote to me today and said, "Look, John, I'm not going to be able to really commit for the next month or so." Um, he has colitis. I think is how you pronounce it. It's the same condition Darren Fletcher has. Yeah, it's a lifelong type condition, and he just needs some time out. He's not dying or anything, and he'll continue to be active on Index again on Twitter and everything. But he just needs a bit of a break from recording. It's hard for him to commit each week, so that's why he wasn't on last week. That's why he isn't on this week. He won't be on in the foreseeable. Um, but hopefully we get him back because it is a great segment and a lot of people love it. But just for you trading bear lovers out there, um, our thoughts are with him and hope he uh hope he's all right and. Do you know, hope he gets his stuff together and gets yeah, back indeed. on the on the airwaves soon. Um, and just another little thing, it's a very funny story about the podcast, which I'm sure a lot of the listeners will like, but it's one I've wanted to tell Trading Bear for a couple of weeks now, but we haven't recorded the segment, so I haven't been able to. 
Um, it's kind of a story about how you never know who's listening, right? So a few weeks ago, um, I named an episode Todd Cantwell Gets Kneecapped. <laughs> <laughs> um, because me and Tradenberg were talking and I said, hypothetically now, this was in the third this was a few weeks ago now, this was about three weeks ago. I said Tradenberg, hypothetically, let's say who oh, was a recent IPO, Todd Cantwell, let's say he gets kneecapped and his price plummets. Can it go below one twenty five or whatever he was IPO'd at, or is that his bottom price? Please tell me this ends with um, Delia Smith sliding into your DMs to question you about kneecapping her Norwich players. Not far off. Um, So I got a message from a guy, Jordan. And Jordan says, John, how's things? Just want to say you're doing a really good job. I've been listening from episode one. Big fan. I assume you're a holder of my brother. You'd never realise my shock when you captioned one of your pods something about (laughs) breaking his legs. I was so confused for a second. Have a great evening. (laughs) So while Jordan Cantwell wrote to me, he's a good listener. Big shout out to you, Jordan. I find this absolutely hilarious. I just picture you at home getting a notification being like, hi, wide and handsome new podcast. Todd Cantwell gets kneecapped and you having to like text your brother and be like, here, mate, are you all right? (laughs) Um, So yeah, sorry for giving you a heart attack. But that's that's the story I wanted to tell Trading Bear. I need to watch the name of a podcast. You never know who's listening. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, you get Neymar's sister ringing in or something if you're not careful. I might name this something weird like Neymar's sister now, and <laughs> see if anyone's listening. But anyway, um, we'll move on. Big man, the big AC, Adam Cole, Big Daddy AC posted twelve rockets. Have you any idea what that's about? So no it's yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Um, so so I think there was a, a few things that kind of happened. So there was the twelve rockets. I think um, Mike also sent a tweet out about having um, plans signed off for December and January, which are going to make it a, a very profitable period for us, or something like that. Um, and Mike so, ghosted me. I sent Mike a message saying, "Mate, come on the podcast and tell us about this." Yeah, he ghosted me. Oh, nice. Hurt my feelings anyway. Um, so yeah, so it's it's a difficult one, isn't it, to know? Um, there was a suggestion from someone the other day who um, had heard from someone in the know, supposedly. So it was a bit of Chinese whispers, but that it's ultimately going to be the um, the longer performance dividends that they talked about, and that potentially we'll get a monthly dividend that is. Um, 4P top defender, 4P mid, 4P striker, and 4P star player. And they seemed absolutely convinced that they'd got this information from someone um, very well connected to FI or within FI. Um, we did point out at the time that if you have 4P star player and then per position, that's that should be 16 rockets and not 12. But um, <laughs> he, he kind of breezed over that one. Um, so it, whether there's any truth to that, I don't know. But I do think potentially it might be something around that um, that dividend. Um, the only other thing I spotted, did they pull up a video that had um, sort of a blurred video with Jamie Carragher's voice in the background the other day? Yeah, yeah. Is that linked? Uh, I don't know. It could be. You know, if, if the 12 rockets are around marketing plans, then potentially it could be. Um, uh, and- I think that one's a long shot. Okay. Um, and the only other thing... I think it's a nice idea. I just think unless they had like 12 marketing things or if mm. Jimmy Carragher was number 12 or something. Yeah. I don't know. I think that would disappoint people. I think people would be pissed off at AC for tweeting 12 yeah. rockets after his eight rockets fiasco. 
you know? Yeah, indeed. Um, and, and that does make you wonder, because if if you get eight rockets for a 57% div increase, what the hell is 12 rockets? That's pretty exciting, yeah. isn't it? If it's, um, you know, a half bigger again. Um, I think the most disappointing thing would be if it's just something like 12 days of Christmas, you know, and they have 12 yeah. days where you can win a, um, a Nottingham Forest shirt or a thousand pound or whatever, you know, something. I, I have a bit of a bugbear against these um, things they run where only a handful of people are, are rewarded. I mean, I, I know competitions yeah. are good, but um, yeah, that that it just feels like wasted dollars to me to an extent when they have these cash drops and things. I think yeah, they can do it, it in a better be, way. Yeah, they exclude Ireland from those as well. So that's obviously something I don't enjoy. They always <laughs> post these really exciting things and rockets and all sorts, and then it doesn't even include me. Are you allowed to write which, a letter in, or are you not allowed to enter at all? No, I, I don't think you're allowed to enter at all. Um, no. It says, I, I think um, Northern Ireland's excluded as well. Um, but yeah, so I think in terms like that, I think they should almost... I mean, if you if you've got a state using your product you should have a separate giveaway or if it, they don't have to buy shares to enter there should be mm. some sort of something for irish users if you're going to exclude them from all these is my opinion um yeah you you guys if I had do, to guess, sorry you guys sorry. do seem to get a bit of a raw deal don't you there was there was someone on twitter yesterday saying that across the three kind of new major products he can't he can't enter the competitions on fi um he was having i think he was having troubles getting verified on footstock and and he wasn't allowed to use Sportstack at all. He couldn't even download the app. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's pretty rough to say you're only just across the sea, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there is a bit of a legal... There, there are definitely legal issues. Um, but, like, I've, I said before, I commented under one of Fig's podcasts in the wake of one of these things, and I said something like here... Uh, he asked for questions, and I said something like, um, what do you make of Irish traders being excluded from the recent giveaways and da 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 um, do you not think that they could do some sort of localized giveaway or something? And he kind of wrote back saying, like, I don't think it's FI's problem. It's a legal issue sort of thing. And I was kind of like, the question still stands. Mm. Like, do you not think they could still do something? Like, it would not be hard to say to do some sort of Irish giveaway. Yeah. Like, you can give things away as a company Um, to enter, type your address, your air code and your some i don't know there has to be a way around it but anyway um you do get a raw deal there sports stack for example is very excited about sent all the emails got the whatever free shares you get mm. your man nick the ceo was on to me about coming on the podcast chatting away to him he was on to me about testing out the beta or going to something about checking things checking it out and i was like yeah yeah sounds amazing whatever and then oh i'm from ireland it's like <laughs> oh yeah i was like what happens to shares then are they just like deleted or and I was like, no, like they'd stay there until you activate your account. And I was like, all right. So I'm just going to have to wait for that. Yeah. Is but, it, yeah we, do you guys about, have a, a different gambling commission? Is it a completely separate set of hoops? That must, be. For... must be. Must mm. be. I mean, I understand it's tough for them. Um, sports stack as well. They probably have to spend a lot of money or mm. jump through a lot of hoops and pay lawyers and things to get something working in Ireland. I don't know. Yeah. Um, hopefully it comes one day because I'd like to have a go. A lot of people are having an old dabble. Mm. But my answer very quickly to the, the 12 Rockets would be, if I think it's the obvious two that i go for, would be 12 days of Christmas. I don't know if it'll be some sort of deposit bonus. It would be one of those giveaway things that won't include me. Mm. Or you know they could have like some sort of bonus up to 1,200 quid. You get 12%. I don't know. One of these things. Or it could be a 12p dividend per position per month or something i think if it was like because as your, you said your man said it added up to 16p but even like a 4p dividend would be very disappointing 
uh, for being like the best performer of the month. Mm. I think it has to be the biggest paid dividend. Maybe something like 12p for the attacker, 12p for the midfielder, 12p the defender, and 12p for the guy who's performed the best in the team or something. Yeah. Um, if, if they get really generous, it could be per league as well, you know, separate, yeah. separate out the five leagues. Because I think one of the challenges around something like a, a kind of performance player of the month, well, if you run it in December, for example, there's probably twice as many Premier League games as there is any other division because of the winter breaks. And I know that changes, I think, next season. But yeah, that's a bit of a, a challenge to it. But I think you're right. Um, I To me, I would just hope it's something enduring and not given they've done 12 rockets. And I know that sounds daft because all we're talking about is Adam Cole pressing a rocket emoji on on his phone. It's not, you know, it's it's not set in stone. It has to be something major. But I would hope, given that he's up the amount of rockets, that it's something enduring and, and strategically valuable for the product and not just some kind of cash grab or uh, a, a small marketing change or anything like that. I would hope yeah. it's something like a, a long-term div, which I know is... Um, He's pushing it a bit, given we've just had the huge increase. But um, yeah, I'm uh, I'm set back up in in PB players mainly now. So uh, anything that that helps that kind of player, I'm uh, I'm all for. Yeah, well, he set he set a precedent with the, the eight rockets, and I mm. don't think Big AC, as I like to call him, manages his Twitter account himself too closely. I think he wouldn't post anything, or nothing would be posted from his account without approval essentially from the marketing side of fi because they have to know what 12 rockets means to your average trader um if any of you aren't on twitter actually if and you're listening because i know a lot of you aren't well basically adam cole on his twitter account posted eight rockets and before the 57 percent increase and he's just posted 12 so it's kind of implying something huge is coming 12 days of christmas you've probably got that from our chat but he said what i'm saying is he set a president and if he doesn't deliver and if they don't deliver on that and if it turns out to be some dodgy giveaway it'll just be like it'll be a real letdown um rightly or wrongly it'll be a bit of a letdown and people will bitch um yeah we're very spoiled you, aren't we you know we, we are we, very spoiled we complain about freebies nowadays but um yeah that's uh, that's uh they're a victim of their own success in in that aren't they really yeah but the other thing is like I think people could happily have gone to next April, next June without any major increases in anything, mm-hmm. happily without complaining that there hasn't been an increase. So for them to do something, whatever it is here, they don't have to do anything. But posting the 12 rockets makes people think it's going to be bigger than maybe it is. Yeah, did, anyway, did, the, did the eight rockets, did they correspond directly to, um, was the biggest PB increase 8P? I, th- I think it's the. F- I think it's just that it's 8P, yeah, for yeah. The, okay. the gold day. So therefore, we we automatically assume that twelve rockets equals something to do with the number twelve. So they've yeah, set the precedent. So hopefully, yeah, uh, yeah, hopefully they follow up on it. Yeah, uh, we move on. I just want to quickly plug the Christmas special. There's a couple of very interesting guests coming on before that. Um, a few very familiar people uh, that you all know of or have heard of. Uh, but the Christmas special, basically, me, Fi Davos, and Findex Frog, two people from Twitter and Slack and wherever. It's two guys big into football index. Are gonna get a big bag of cans, get sloshed, talk a load of shit, and it'll be releasing the twenty third of December, just two days before Christmas. So, I'm excited for that one. When I post about it, a bit of a few topics and funny questions and things to ta- talk about, it'll be good fun because it will be a bit different from the norm. I'd say. Um, another quick thing just to talk about for us, and then we go into questions. Um, we'll touch on it very briefly because I don't think there's that much to it. But did you seen or hear about this 
Football Index sending out an email basically endorsing a specific Twitter account, PB Man. I did, yeah. I did. Strange activity. Yeah. I I didn't read it, but I did. I, I sort of heard about it, um, saw a bit of talk about it on Twitter and WhatsApp and stuff, and, and I clicked into it, quickly digested what it was. I think he was talking about what makes a player's value or something like that, wasn't he? Um, and, and then just got rid of it. I think I'm, you know, experienced enough on the index to not need a, a trader's perspective forced down my throat. Yeah. Was was my I'd, view. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't read it enough. Maybe this is gonna be a weekly segment they get different people on and all, and he just happens to be the first. I just thought it was very strange for someone like Football Index to associate at all. And it's nothing against PB man. Um I know a lot of people do have things against him after his whole um reverse pump thing. But um, I think my dog's trying to burst into my room. If a dog starts barking, guys, forgive me. Um, but if they're trying, if they're starting to do like an ongoing thing where they ask this different managers and stuff, whatever, different portfolio people, grand. Um, but if they're just associating themselves with one guy who has the ability to go on and pump a player, I think it's a dodgy thing. It's it's borderline, isn't it? I just think it's a bit weird. It is. I mean, a, a couple of things to say on it. So I do think um, they have released stuff from um other accounts in the past although i don't know how much they've done it recently but i'm i'm sure this isn't the first time they've um had kind of an article written by by a user and i might be wrong on that but i don't think it is um but regardless i i think i'm not sure how damaging it is in reality I, i don't think it's great you know i I, I think they should stay as impartial as, as they possibly can. And you can get into discussion around, well, should they be sending tweets out saying, look how much Sancho's flying, for example, or anything yeah, like that. But, same type of thing. Yeah. Um, but I, I would say, having read PB Man stuff in the past, and, and I did read that article a little bit before deleting it, um, I don't think a high percentage of users will read it and digest it and start to trade based on what it says. Um I think he thinks far more analytically and detailed and in a a very, um, I don't know if intelligence is the right word, but um, a very studious way. Um, And I I suspect 90 plus percent of traders would either read it, think, oh, yeah, not bad, and delete it, or they wouldn't read it, or they would carry on their merry way as they're already trading. I I don't think his article is suddenly going to have a huge amount of impact on trading in general yeah i don't think right i think if you can if any trader can learn something from it it's a positive thing and i do i don't have any issue with the man and i didn't read the article it could Mm -hmm. be the best piece of writing that football index has ever seen i don't even have an issue with the whole thing but i just there's something weird about it in my head that doesn't sit quite right with football index the company the blue tick adam cole the whole brand thousands of people engaging about it on Twitter to pick a random account, unless he is literally an employee mm. or if he is, I don't know. It just seems weird because I just think then it added, it adds legitimacy maybe to his account. And it means that maybe new people will go and follow him and stuff, which is fine. But it then puts the power in a random trader from FI. Let's not even say it's people. It could be anyone to go and pump a player or to do this. And for there to be, them to all of a sudden have a rel- like a more important voice than maybe they had before. I don't know. Something's weird about it, and I don't know what. 
but fair play to PB Man and all the best with it. Yeah, it'll you know that way. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see whether it's something that carries on or whether it was a a one off. Um, we we will see, I guess. But yeah, I I'm I'm not overly comfortable with it, but I I do think in the deep dark past they've done this kind of thing before, but it wasn't quite as um, focused on at the time. Um, and I, I, as I say, I don't think it'll have a massive impact, but uh, yeah, it does feel a little bit sketchy on the other side as well. And I, I don't even know if I follow PB Man. I've, I, I'm not sure I've ever spoken to him, so I, I've no kind of dog in the fight. I, I don't really care either way, but yeah, it feels yeah. a little bit weird. Yeah, that's exactly how I feel. Um, we move on to some questions. Um, of three sections, there's going to be Michelinius. <laughs> or Milfalinius, see what I did there? Uh, there'll be some football index questions, and then we'll cover footstock. Uh, we'll need to fly through some of them. Um, but very quickly, I'm going to need a favour. So tomorrow, if you're listening to this, or during the week, I'm going to post asking for new guests, people you want to hear from. Uh, I'm coming up to the end of the list of people I have to work through. So if there's anyone you think you'd like to hear from, tag them below. If you see someone else, tag them, like it, all that sort of stuff. Um, and a favour I'll ask of you is, tag football index tag mike bowen tag fi tag ac tag K- K- is a kieran rowan all them because i wrote to them i sent them an email and all that and basically they snubbed me shot me down they mm. can't come on because they're all too busy that's grand but if you actually want them ever on this podcast i'm gonna need a bit of help so and then i can get stuck into them and ask some serious questions um so if you want to hear from them, tag them all, be a bit of a nuisance, email FI, write to them directly, say you'd love to hear them on this podcast. It would really, really help me out. Okay, we'll go into the miscellaneous questions. Bring it on. Um, we'll try and keep these very, very snappy answers because we have much more important things to talk about. Dirk Kaiser, our Gills Fair game, one word, yay or nay? Not yet. Not yet. Um, not yet, okay. Can you elaborate on that, actually? <laughs> so um i have two stepsons um from my wife's previous marriage so technically she is a milf or was a milf when we got together um so i would say i'm quite happy with my milf for now but um if we have um grandkids and one of our kids is 18 so um it may happen within the next few years or so um she then becomes a gilf and then it becomes fair game um, okay, that's, I did, that's fair. I did on yeah, on a related note, because I know there was a question about Stifler's mum as well. So I had a look I looked her up to see if she was GILF category yet. Um and I couldn't find any evidence she's even had kids, so I'm not even sure she's a mill. Okay. Yeah, so Breeze Bot F I there's your question answered. Um Index Profit Hunter wants to know who's gonna win the real fantasy football FI league. Uh after my performance yesterday I might have to change my answer. Um I I think I will. Um, but it's quite hard to say. Um, we could the the league is that a level of playing field, and and quite frankly, we've all performed that badly that a guy that auto drafted at the start of it. So it's a draft league where you you all go through and pick a player each in each round. Yeah. The one guy who auto drafted and let the computer do it is top of the league. Um, oh. So. <laughs> I, I'd like to think I can overhaul him, but um, we'll see. Um, Fig definitely yeah. won't be winning. He's right down in the doldrums at the bottom. <laughs> I'd actually love to play a draft fantasy football league next year. It's something I really like the concept of. I love the idea of you having the guy and no one else getting points for it because the template uh, like fantasy football team happens. It's already happening. There's a lot of players um, that everyone has, but by next yeah. sort of February, everyone will have the same teams. 
Yeah, um, I, I couldn't recommend it enough. Um, I'm I'm in a league with ten of my mates in my main league. We've been running it about eight years or so now. Um, we've got a WhatsApp group with like a hundred thousand messages in it. It's just constant banter. We flew to Northern Ireland last year to do a draft because one of the league had moved to Northern Ireland and had a cracking class. weekend, all all based around the draft. Um, you can't do that with FPL while you're all picking yeah. the same players. I, I couldn't recommend it highly enough. Um, and a little plug for Real FF, which is uh, the best draft site to use. There you go, RFF UK. If anyone wants me in their draft league next season, reach out. I'd love to play them one. No pressure, Tom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Phil Tyrer wants to know your favourite Vincent Vincent song. I don't even know who Vincent Vincent is. Uh, yeah, this because I, I sent out a tweet the other day asking if anyone knew what happened to them. Um, so there's a band called Vincent Vincent and the Villains that released an album in 2008 that was fairly critically acclaimed. They then split up straight after they released the album and disappeared. And um, the internet doesn't tell you what happened to Vincent Vincent himself, the singer, and um, even my sort of musically inclined friends. No one can find any trace of him. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a weird mystery. Um, my favourite song is Beast. Um, they're on Spotify. So if anyone uh, wants to go and listen to Beast by Vincent Vincent and the Villains, I highly recommend it. Go give it a go. And if anyone can find out what happened to them, let us know. Yeah, if Vincent indeed. Vincent happens to be an FI trader um, or his brother, like Mr. Campwell, then uh, yeah, get in touch. <laughs> um, how many MILFs have you had is what JKFI says. Quite a personal one. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy to answer it, though. To my knowledge, one, um, and I'm married to her, so uh, that's probably the safe answer. Yeah, I think my answer is zero. There you go. M- missing out, mate. Um, missing out. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm pretty sure it is. Uh, football index mole. Well, following on from my question to Mister RC, uh, when Mister Mitchum has secured a date with a lady milf, where does he take one, and where was my invite to Westlife? Uh, any anyone is uh, invited to come along to Westlife with um with me, John, and RC. Uh, it'll be a hell of a time. Um, with RC wheeling on in in his heelies into his Westlife concert. Um, so yeah, feel free to join us by all means. Um, what was the actual question? Um, oh, okay, where's Sigma? Where, where would you so, go for a date with your? Yeah. your so, so I would say um, being being a, a mummy is a fairly challenging job, um, and they don't get much time to relax. So, I can highly recommend a spa day. Um, multiple reasons you you get um, you get the bikini time, so you get to see what what you what you're potentially going to be faced with later on. Um, you can get a bit of pampering yourself. You get a, a good bit of food. You can have a glass of champagne, um, and and they get the break from their milf life. Um, so yeah, you, you can't go wrong with a good spa day. Um, anyone who's in the north, uh, Rudding Park in Harrogate is the uh, is the milf central venue to go for. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, there you go, lads. Spa days. Um, God, I sound so actually... sleazy. <laughs> it did. It did. I'm gonna like make a sound bite and just like plaster it everywhere just to make you look horrible. Um, I definitely won't do that. Don't worry. But just back to the Westlife thing very briefly. Mm. Um, I believe you said you would pay for me and RC's flights, tickets, and accommodation if Brahim Diaz hits two quid by Christmas. I did actually, didn't I? Um, you're you running did. out of time. You better give Mister yeah. uh, Mister everyone. Free. Yeah, everyone, go and buy. Brahim Diaz, Diaz, I do not hold him. This is the weirdest pump ever, but mm-hmm. it gets me a ticket to Westlife. So, um, we'll hold you to that. I will. I, if he gets to two quid by Christmas, I will absolutely do that. 
mainly because I want to force RC to go to a Westlife concert. Um, <laughs> it would be, imagine that, imagine that weekend. Oh, <laughs> be my ex was actually obsessed with them, so I've probably already seen Westlife more than any other band, shamefully. Yeah. Um, they're not that bad. They're not that bad. They're not. Yeah, they're I'd, not. I'd go along. Very last miss the uh, last miscellaneous question is also FI says at what age do you cross the milf to gilf border? Gilf's getting younger and younger these days. I think it's all about when your kid has a kid, to be honest with you. You'd have thought so, wouldn't you? Um Yeah, yeah I did I did a very dangerous Google search on my work computer while having a look at these questions for <laughs> uh, famous gilfs. Um and it and it came up with more um male actors than anything else. So there was kind of Harrison Ford and people like that, which isn't Michael cup of tea, but each to their own. Um, but yeah, it pretty much depends on when you when your kids have kids and have kids and stuff. And I don't know, we're going to get into gilfs and stuff here, aren't we? So we should probably move on. We'll go into the real questions. Straight off the bat, Football Index Focus wants to know, if you were given free reign over the FI marketing budget, what would your top three priorities be heading into 2020? Oh, tricky. Um, so... I, I, I'm all for adding a bit more legitimacy to the product. I think um, we do still run into that barrier of people thinking it's too good to be true or it's um, a scam or, you know, someone says, yeah, how much have you made on it? And you say five grand and they then they say, oh, yeah, but how much have you lost? Or they say somebody must have lost that five grand for you to make five grand, which isn't necessarily the case on FI. Um, so something to add legitimacy, which might be more, more shirt sponsorships or even a a league sponsorship, for example, or, you know, if the Carabao Cup could become the Football Index Cup next season, well, you can't get much more legitimate than that, can you? Um, mm. And uh, and that's where all the youth players play that we like to pump up on FI, so it it tie in nicely. So, yeah, a bit of legitimacy, I think, um, and then I would probably save money for a huge push around the Euros. I think they can do something absolutely massive on the Euros that then leads people into next season I think that would be brilliant. I think they missed a trick at the World Cup when they could have done that, and they did that. I think they did like a hundred grand sweepstake and stuff, didn't they? From memory, I, I think mm-hmm. that could be better spent. I think if you have some massive, um, I don't know if it's PB or whatever for the European Championships that um, benefits a lot of your users and benefits new traders, etc. Keep them hooked in to the following season and, and go from there. Um, that's where I would save a lot of my money for. I think. Yeah, they could even start, like, because if they're going to review the dividend structure every season, we'll probably get an increase next season. If they increase it before the Euros, that would be great. Yeah. Um, that would tie in nicely with anything else they seem to do. I think what they should do is this. I think they should actually, like, get on Coke, Coca-Cola, and get them, you know, the, the way they name the, um, do you know the way they name the bottles? They should make one of the names Football Index. That would be, like, it would cost them millions, but, geez, that was the best piece of marketing in the 21st century. Yeah, it's not um, a bad idea, that. So you could have football index at the top of the bottle and then have individual player names underneath. You know, you could have Sam Richards could try and make a Greenwood pyramid. And yeah, there's a lot of places you could go with that. Yeah, um, I know it's completely unrealistic and stupid, but in an ideal world, <laughs> yeah. I think it's because that honestly, the amount of Coca-Cola I sold off the back of that was ludicrous. That was like yeah. the biggest ever um but that is a bit of a joke what i think they could do is they, they need to think outside the box they need to do really weird things and just get their name out there and i think that legitimacy is a big thing what i would say is i think they should hold off on looking for the big investors and these big wheels or whatever 
the actual strategic marketing to target them, they could hold off until NASDAQ's in place. It's all very yeah. promising people, NASDAQ and this and order books and stop losses and blah, blah, blah. But until it's actually in place, they're not going to go near it. So I think you're better just trying to appeal to the wider base of FPL slash general punters that are out there until such a time that you do have the infrastructure and technology in place to really yeah bigger traders. That's just my opinion. Yeah, I think I agree with that. I think they're limited at the moment. So the the big investment um, banking type money that they want, I think they are limited to an extent by the tech issues, to an extent just by the fact that it's a fairly new product and it's football related, which you know, makes people instantly think about gambling. Um, the irrationality of the market at times, I think, holds it back as well. So I think you're right. I think um, realistically, get your house fully in order so that if someone comes in with a, a shitload of money who's used to assessing new startups or are used to assessing their investments very carefully, you tick every box that they or every question that they throw at you. Um, I think that's one side of it. And then it, and it, to me, I think what they need at the moment is um, something that adds a bit more excitement to the to the product. So one thing I wanted to mention that we haven't, that, which is on this topic, is so I've got a group of mates who a lot of them are grammar school educated. They've got a fair bit of um, disposable income. They're fairly you know intelligent and fairly well off guys, and um, they're all betting on corners this weekend. Their current thing is to bet on um, which team will have the most corners. They they know how much you know I and a couple of us have made on FI. They know about the other similar products. And they're sat there betting on corners because they would rather chuck a tenner into Betfair and all all watch for corners rather than make money slowly on an investment platform. And I I don't know how big um, whether that's the case across the country or whether that's just a weird group of people I'm in. But I I just think there needs to be a bit more instant thrill to the to the product. Um, and I I don't know what the answer to that is, but I just thought I'd throw it in. There's a lot of disposable income around my group, my circle of friends, and it's still being wasted on betting on corners. Yeah. I don't know. I think they could definitely do stuff with, like, I know IPDs, it isn't a lot, but even that instant thrill, like notifications for IPDs, yeah, stuff like that would definitely help, or even an instant payout for the IPD, and then if you buy throughout the day, you get back paid the IPD later in the day, you know, with the actual payouts after 12. I mm-hmm. don't know. There's flexibility there, but I don't think they can do to make the immediate, the, to feed that kind of, need for immediate endorphins from people i don't know that, yeah. that would help and I, I know you don't want to go down the route of kind of accumulators because that's that's been one of their taglines is you know stop throwing away money on hackers and stuff but something yeah. like a multiplier if your player scores early if they then score again in the game you get a double ipd or something like that you know or or if you yeah. hold a player and they go on a goal scoring streak so like the other season when vardy and igalo and people like that scored six, seven, eight, nine, ten games in a row, you know, the more games in a row your player scores, the bigger their IPD multiplier, something like that that feels like an acker to an extent and that buzz of, of the kind of accumulation but is still dividend-based and is based on an investment and not a gamble. I think something like that could work and could add a bit of an instant thrill with the cha-ching notification, as you mentioned, um, Yeah, I think would be would be good. I like what you're saying to me. I do like that idea, actually. FI Force has asked, with the hectic Christmas schedule approaching, who can be the main risers over the next five weeks? I suppose just to tag on from this question to make it even a bigger question, it's almost like, who'd be the biggest fallers as well? Like, how, how will Christmas affect the market? And if there's any players you like in particular, mm. by all means, mention them. 
Yeah, interesting. Um, I haven't thought about, I haven't really thought about that one yet because my strategy at the minute is pretty much long-term PB hold. So I'm not too fussed what happens over Christmas. Um, I So I guess in terms of risers, um, I think um, January transfers, obviously is something that people will be looking towards. So I think some of the bigger players from non-PB leagues who could potentially move in January could rise nicely. Um, I think you'll probably see most of the money from the top five leagues. I think you'll naturally see a lot of money invested into the Premier League because just because we've got a shed load of fixtures over Christmas when other leagues don't. Um, I think on, conversely, the biggest fallers is probably players who are in the, the leagues that do have a, a winter break, who um, don't have any don't have any media, um, don't have any potential of a transfer. I think we could see money trickling out of those players and into into transfer holds potentially. Yeah. Um yeah, in t- in terms of names, it's it's difficult. I think because there's so many Premier League games and the matrix at the moment is so swayed towards midfielders. I would be looking at um midfielders or sort of number 10 types who um a lot of crosses, a lot of passes, a lot of set pieces. Um, and I wouldn't necessarily just look at the big teams over those Christmas fixtures. So um, I think we had Delafeu popped up the other week with a massive score um, because he's effectively the talisman for Watford and they, they had their one good game in 10. Um, Sigurdsson, that kind of player, although he's been crap this season. Um, Buendia at Norwich takes every single set piece they have. If Norwich have a good game and he's on the pitch, he's going to score big. Trossard at Brighton. Um, just some of those teams that, that are probably less fashionable, but if you give them six, seven, eight games over Christmas, it's likely their creative midfielder will probably get a game-winning goal in one of those games and they'll have a load of peripheral stats. So potentially that's somewhere to look. Um, McNeil at Burnley, probably another one being a Burnley fan. Yeah, just looking to tie into that. Now, the, this could be from last season. I'm not actually sure, but I think they're getting it this year. Just the top the other four leagues in Europe. It says here that Germany's break starts on the 20th of December and ends on the 12th of January. I'll not give you the dates of them all, but basically what it's saying here is that Germany's break is 22 days, France's is 16, Italy's is 14, and Spain's 11. So based off that, I assume it's pretty similar each year. I'm guessing Germany will take the biggest hit mm-hmm. with three weeks off, but I don't know if that's true or how, how much that'll actually happen. But I do think it definitely benefits Premier League holds a lot, and especially those holds that are less likely to win on a gold day and maybe more likely to win on those bronze and silver days because there'll be more of them with the other leagues not playing. Yeah, it's, it's maybe a good time to simplify your strategy. And, and I guess the majority of FI um, investors also play FPL. You can probably play on your FPL knowledge a bit more over Christmas than you do in other periods because it's simply going to be a case of who it's only Premier League games, so who's got good fixtures and who ticks away with with returns, with goals and assists, you know, and it's, it's probably a yeah. bit of a simpler game than in a normal gold day when you've got to start considering, you know, have Gwyngamp got a decent fixture and things like that, you know, you, you can probably just rely on your domestic knowledge and uh, have a relax and have a beer rather than uh, firing up your league and spreadsheets and stuff. <laughs> Look, we've got, I want to get on to talk about Footstock with you for the Footstock guys, but before that, there are three or four questions here that we're not going to get to, so I'll give you... Mm-hmm. I'll really simplify the questions and really try and make it one word yep. um, for a bit of fun. 
David Peters asks, being a Burnley fan and DFS player, obviously everyone has been all over the Dwight, McNe- Dwight McNeil now for 18 months. Rate the following from the next generation of Clarets. <laughs> if you can't try and give them somewhere between one and five stars, and we'll call it flakes because that's what we do in the Trading Bear segment. Okay. So, let, let me do this a slightly different way and I'll do it as quickly as I can. So um, I'm a lazy supporter and don't know about our youth prospects. So I asked my dad, who's a season ticket holder oh, and goes to every game. Even better. Um, and I'll, I'll give you his exact answer. Um, so I just asked him, what do you think of these players? His answer, Jimmy Dunn, number one, is already on the verge of the first team. Ali Koiki, Koiki, don't know how you say that. Ali Koiki, yeah. number two, as we need more players to show support for kick it out and i'll just quickly qualify that my dad has a worry and he's worried about this for years that burnley's team looks racist because we regularly field all white 11s and he's concerned (laughs) that um not that he thinks we're racist but he's concerned that other clubs think burnley are racist and that we're kind of brexit fc oh god yeah that's why he's rated mr kike i know it's a bizarre theory um Josh Benson, number three, as his good looks will increase the female support on the terraces, apparently. (laughs) Uh, And Mitchell George is an unknown quantity amongst men, but appears to know how to put the ball in the net. So um, if Mr. Peters can turn that into profits on FI or DFS, I'll be very impressed. Good stuff. Well, Weird weird answer. That wasn't what I was expecting at all. But no, fair play to your dad. That's an interesting answer. Um, Hopefully that helps David Peters. Okay, what else can we get through quickly? Is Brahim Diaz still a good hole? We covered that, so we not even talk about it. FI Moneymaker, following the sacking of Poch, Kane has rocketed up over the six quid mark. Yes and no, or very quickly, do you think this is justified, and will he be a better hold under Mourinho? Yes, for now. Um, if he declares his love and his intent to stay at Tottenham over the summer and signs a new long-term contract, you're screwed if you hold him. He'll drop like stone. Until the Euros and until that happens, I think he's a very good hold at the current price and at a price quite a bit higher than he is. I, I think he could legitimately threaten top three status um, heading into the Euros. Yeah, and everyone's obviously praying United take Pochettino and he takes Kane or something ridiculous. But it's an outside chance. Dan Jackknife, again on Spurs. Which Spurs player would be a good hold since Mourinho's arrival? If you had to pick one, who do you like? Uh, Lacelso and Ericsson because they've both got PB potential whether Jose is involved or not they've both got transfer potential if Jose falls out with them yeah very good right we rattled through them we'll talk about for about 15 minutes here and then we'll try to wrap things up on footstock so FI Gertie wants to know we go through the questions and obviously we can digress a little bit how do you enter so many lineups every week I actually noticed this because I was looking at even the 10 grand one let me see I'll whip it up here in the 10k competition you're sitting pretty pretty well in a couple of them or at least you were earlier you've got like two or three in the top top 20 I think I'm sitting about 25th or no I'm not actually I'm sitting seventh at the minute yeah which I'm happy with I only put one lineup in in the end wow well, that puts me to shame then, because I put in 21 so far, I think. Um, 20 lineups? I've got 21, yeah. You're a big footstock guy. Like, I really don't have that many players there. Um, I did a bit of research, put one in. I'm sitting at seven, so hopefully that. The biggest, do you know one that I think is actually going to cost me? Socrates. It was off Ugh. the back of 
goals and I thought, you know what, if he gets a wee goal and a couple of the weeks, I mean, because it's only the top five weeks taken, there's a chance. Um, and he was a one star. Anyway, how do you enter so many lineups each week? Okay, so so I guess each week, and and I've cut down a little bit now that they've stopped doing the um the footstock tawny hero thing. I was trying to enter every competition to win that um and and beat Danilo to it and stop him dominating footstock. Um, but ultimately, so I have a a spreadsheet. I like a spreadsheet. Um, I have a spreadsheet with my preferred players per position per club. So for example, um. I don't know, I'll pick a, a club at random. So Villa, it might say that my preferred defender for them is Gilbert, my midfielder is McGinn and my striker is Wesley. So it's very simple. If there's a um, tournament where Aston Villa are at home to a crap team, I go to that spreadsheet, I see who are my three or four Villa players that I think are better than all the others for the footstop matrix, and I slide them in. Um, it's as simple as that. So all the single game tournaments, it takes minutes to enter. You know, it's it's... Do I think the home team away team or um, will dominate or will it be a, a level playing field match? If it's the home team dominate, I pick my favourite players from that team. If it's the away team, I'll pick the away team. And if it's a, you know, if I expect it to be a draw, then I'd pick three from each team for a pro tournament, for example. So um, I have in my mind and on a spreadsheet which players I like from each club and I slot them in. It, it, it doesn't it doesn't take that long, to be honest. Um, the, the multi-game tournaments are a bit more tricky where you've got, you know, you can pick players from um, 16 different clubs for the Saturday Rumble comp, for example. Those are the ones that take a little bit more time because you've got to think about, okay, which clubs have decent fixtures and then from those clubs, who are my must-have players? Um, yeah. But yeah, it, it, it doesn't take that much time. I mean, I've entered everything quite a few weeks and it's maybe taken two hours to do the lot. Mm. Yeah, which isn't a lot of time realistically, but the amount of money that's that's out there. The thing that gets me with the the kind of the tournaments and puts me it doesn't put me off because I still enter all the free ones and I enter a few beginner ones and stuff. What what makes it difficult and what makes it take time is the the ratings of the cards, like the common, epic, all that sort of stuff. That makes it tough in terms of picking teams because you can go to put players into a into a tournament and then you realize oh he's actually four stars now and he i thought like you know i can't enter him and oh, i'll have to buy another decent player to have a chance of winning this and but i get that it has to be done because if it wasn't done you would get people like yourself just dominating the beginner attorneys as well mm-hmm. because you've all the good cards um i get where they have to do it but it does make it a bit trickier for me and it makes me it makes it harder obviously for picking teams yeah i mean it, 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 it has to be done yeah a couple of tips there i guess so um, one is that they've recently added um, filters so that you can filter for certain stars. So, for example, you can filter down to the one-star basic players. Um, I think using the filters speeds things up. Um, and just the more you do it, the more you remember what star category players are. I mean, if you know, if you pick twenty um, players that play regularly in the Premier League, I could probably tell you what sort of fifteen of them, what what category they're in because I'm mm. picking them and looking at them so often. So, um, yeah, I think the more you do it, just the quicker you you manage to enter. Um, I must admit, doing the entries for the 10K free roll, that took a lot of time. Um, I basically, I, I took a morning off work to do that, plus a, a few other things for Real FF and stuff, and, and it ended up all I did that morning was make 20 um, free roll lineups. Because, as you say, you know, you're restricted to two 
players per club and two players per star category and all that. So again, it was a, a spreadsheet and quite a bit of work. But I, when I've got the time to do it, I really enjoy doing that kind of thing. Um, I mean, jumping back to FI very quickly. So when I sat down to make that IPD port at the start of October and gave myself sort of three or four hours to do it, that's heaven to me, sitting trolling through stats for four hours, um, which is a, a sad thing, I know. But um, yeah, I, I love to to really dig into the data and try and find a, an angle that no one else has. Um, you yeah. know, I, I use Rotowire, for example, for to build my FI port, whereas everyone else is using Index Gain and uh, um, what's the other one? Edge. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I, I'm quite into that kind of thing when I've got the time. Yeah, and look, it just depends what you're into. And I think with a lot of these data providers, it's who you sign up to first, is who you end up inevitably sticking with it because it's what you're used to. Yeah. But yeah, uh, knowing what you know now, if you were to sign up for the first time on Foodstock tomorrow, how would you start off? Let's say you have 100 quid you're willing to th- throw into Foodstock and give it a go. Yeah, okay. So with 100 quid, I say, I'd say the first thing is initially make sure that you're buying from the market. Um the, where the prices are at the minute, I think the value is in buying from the market rather than the shop. Um, the thing it allows you to do as well. So if I only had 100 quid, for example, I would target um, a certain number of teams that I know quite well and then target tournaments that those teams are in. So say you're a uh, a West Ham fan, for example, and sympathies if you are at the moment, um, being a fan of the third best Claret and Blue team in the country. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, so so if I'm a West Ham fan, I would try and buy from the market all the West Ham players that I know will be good for tournaments. Um, and then I would target tournaments that West Ham are in. So don't go, if you've only got 100 quid in, don't go across the board and be trying to buy Salah and Sterling and KDB and Kepper and you know all the top players from the top clubs. Target the clubs you know well because there are as many single game tournaments with clubs like West Ham in that are valuable as there is tournaments with Liverpool and Man City in. So I would target some of those smaller teams and um, or teams that you know well and focus on tournaments that they're in. Um, I would probably try and focus on rewards a little bit as well to so see what rewards you can tick off. So there's there's rewards like, um, I don't know, own 50 basic players, for example. Well, you can probably pick 50 basic players up for about two quid if you buy the you know, the cheapest of the cheapest and the reward might be one epic player. So you're effectively getting an epic player of two quid. Well, um, that's a decent ROI. So definitely have a look at the rewards as well. Um, I, th- I think that about sum it up. And I'd say don't, if you're going to jump into the tournaments, try and build your bankroll through the free rolls and through the beginning beginner tournaments initially. Um, focus on the beginners especially because you can buy cheap cards because you're going to be using one and two starred cards that aren't overly seen as overly valuable in the market and that's the cards that you can use to win beginner tawnies so you know i've entered beginner tawnies with cards that are probably worth 50p and and won a tenner or so where if if you're that's what two thousand percent roi so if you've only got 100 quid in there if you win a, a few beginner tawnies with those really cheap cards you can soon get that bankroll building up so I'd say, yeah, just start at the at the lower levels and work your way up. You know, if if you were if you were signing up to full tilt, po- uh, no, that's not a thing anymore, is it? If you were signing up to Poker Stars tomorrow, for example, you're not going to jump in straight into a Putnam Omaha game with um, Tom Dwan and Phil Ivy, are you? You're gonna you're gonna start yeah. off on a play money table or a 
one cent, two cent table and learn the ropes, people should be looking at all these products, FIFS, Sports Stack, look at all of them in the same way. You need to learn the ropes before you can challenge the uh, the big boys like Danilo and, and uh, Football Index Chat and the like. Yeah, football Footstock Chat asks a couple of questions. I'll pick out one that I really liked. Um, what do you think are the biggest misconceptions FI users have about Footstock? Hmm. Okay. Um. So, I guess one of the big ones is that it's a rich man's game. Um. Because I really don't think it is. I think of the of the products, you can do a hell of a lot more with a hundred quid on Footstock than you can with, um. FI. I think you can have more fun with 100 quid on footstock. Um, and I think you can probably, at the moment, I think you could probably make money far quicker with 100 quid on, on footstock because you can get in at that lower level. You know, you can enter a beginner tourney for 50p and win 15 quid, whereas turning 50p into 15 quid on football index isn't that easy at the moment. Um, so I, I think that's probably one of them. Um, and I, I think there's a bit of a misconception around, you know, they had the issue the other day with the, um, deposits and there was, there was a couple of people on Twitter said, oh, Footstock have suddenly taken out a load of money out of my bank. And there was quite a furore from the football index Twitter community about, oh, it's such a scam and I can't believe people are investing in it, et cetera, et cetera. And it, it felt a bit dirty. It felt like a bit of an overreaction, to be honest, especially when we're all experienced FI traders who, have seen all the tech issues and the um, taking three, was it three times a deposit they were taking out of people's banks at one point? Um, yeah. And when you actually look at what had actually happened, um, Footstock were legitimately taking funds from people who had deposited, the deposit had gone onto their Footstock account but had never actually come out of their bank and Footstock were now reclaiming that money once the error had been realised. So every single penny, as far as I'm aware, that they took around that deposit issue was legitimate. And I was one of those people. I'd done a deposit and not re- not even realised that it, it hadn't come out of my bank. Um, and I was playing away with it merrily on, on Footstock. And, and then it's now been taken. And, well, fair enough. You know, it's a bit annoying. But um, but it is what it is. And, um, yeah, I, I, I just think there is... You know, it's not a scam. It's not a scam in any any more than FI is. It's not a scam any more than Sportstack is. Um, you know, it is a legitimate product and it's one that can live alongside football index quite easily. Hmm. Well, I find myself talking about it nearly every week or every other week in some mm. way or form because, I mean, there's I've said it before, I'm not going to ramble on because people have heard me. I think there's more than enough to go around. I don't think there's any issue with it. It's a completely different thing in my eyes. And yeah. I think a lot of people in football and the football index world, the misconception is that it's it's direct, hard competition that is going to take money out of their portfolios. As your portfolios are doing amazing, AC's dropped 12 rockets, everything's, everything's rosy. Do you know what's wrong with another company and another couple of guys who have a company trying to make a bit of money and trying to make a living and trying to, trying to do something great and be entrepreneurial? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. These guys need support from people just like us who are in this space. And, do you know talking something down and overreacting on purpose just to drive it into the ground and try and do your best for a football index. I'm team football index is not what it's about. Um, if you don't like the product, don't use it and give them yeah. some feedback on it. If you do like the product, do use it, but it shouldn't be a football index versus footstock. We know who wins that fight at the minute. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it but, came off as a bit kind of desperate to an extent, which is not good for either product. 
if FI, yeah. FI Twitter looks so desperate to cling on to every penny they have, it, it will make people from the outside question, well, why why are they so desperate? Why are they attacking this product so hard? You know, it, it just makes both companies look like shit, quite frankly. And um, I think we've actually seen in the reaction to sports stack that people have maybe already learned from that, you know, because the footstock traders came back and said, well, actually, you know, the deposit issue was legitimate and there is no nothing dodgy going on. And the reaction to Sportstack, even even though they have had quite a lot of problems this weekend, has been a lot more muted and a lot calmer. So I think as a, a Twitter community, maybe we've evolved a little bit over the last few weeks. But yeah, they can all live alongside each other quite happily. I don't see them as direct competition any more than I would if a new bookie sprung up, for example. It's, yeah. it's They're different things. The, there's a Footstock like Slack chat that people can join very easily. Uh, Footstock chat mentions here. Um, do you know the best way to find it? Um, contact uh, DM Footstock Chat on Twitter. Um, yeah, I and it. I think he just invites you. Yeah, he said something here. What's the best Footstock based Slack chat on his footstockchat.com mm-hmm. or web address? Get to it. Maybe he's saying that is. I don't actually think that's a question, but I'm genuinely unsure. I'm in that Slack chat, but I forget how I got into it. Um, but I think it's definitely essential for any beginners or people who have just started Footstock because you can ask all your stupid questions and people are very nice. Yeah, and you know what the best thing is as well? So Oliver's in there, who is um, one of the two main guys at Footstock. Um, he is so receptive to user feedback, um, and especially in that Slack chat. You know, we have a wish list and we put ideas forward, and then they happen. You know, I, I helped sell them on the fact that they should do Carabao Cup competitions um, because it's a gap in the market. You know, um, Football Index don't cover Carabao Cup, so... If they can add a bit of value and, and get eyeballs on footstock on Carabao nights and also give a bit of um, added value to lower um, lower value cards. So, you know, people like Foden who only get to play in the Carabao Cup, it gives them more value if you've got tournaments linked to that competition. Um, and they're just, with Oliver in that Slack chat, they're so receptive to user feedback and, and they make changes very, very quickly. So I would say, yeah, if you if you want to invest in the product, it's in your best interest to get on that Slack chat and get your voice heard. And if you think you can help shape the product in a positive way, then then by all means do so through that channel. It's a question I want to know the answer to. Actually, I mentioned on the podcast like a few weeks ago how a portfolio value would be a great addition, and it came like the next day. And I don't know if someone <laughs> heard the podcast or if it was just chance. Um, something else I think. Yeah, it's say? been that what that one's been talked about for a while. Um, so oh, yeah, you may you may have just pushed it over the edge and made it happen. Maybe I, I think we'll give you that credit. I was thinking, geez, they are receptive. Like um, hmm. the other thing, which I don't know, people might have thrown about there that I would like is is a few times. It's not a few times. Have I ever even done it? Like I would love the option to buy players in advance of them transferring to the Premier League, but I know the complications that come with that if they never actually transfer. But I'm thinking you might get rewarded a bit for. Do you know if I wanted to buy Jaden Sancho now and bank that he moves to the Premiership next season? Yeah. Or could you put a bid in or could you do something? But maybe that just ends up on a bunch of inactive cards and then if they never transfer, people just lose a load of money. I don't know. There's a lot more to so, that than... Yeah. So I know, I know they're talking about um, expanding to future further leagues in the future. They're talking about, you know, making the Champions League and Europa Cup tournaments where you can pick both the English players, which you can do currently, but then also you can... So if it's Liverpool v Ajax, you could also pick Ajax players. So there is something to that. I think that is somewhere they will probably go. I think the good thing about the footstop model is it is so repeatable. You know, 
if I have this challenge, for example, around media, you know, and if you open up to an Italian market, for example, um, the fact that all our media comes from the sun and wherever else, you know, makes it quite difficult. Whereas Footstock, you could literally, if you get the right licenses and stuff, you could take what they've built for the Premier League today and apply it to La Liga tomorrow, create cards for those players, have tournaments for the La Liga games. And it's set up pretty easily, I think, both from a user understanding and from a development perspective. Um, and then you could probably repeat it to, to other sports quite easily as well. But I'm probably getting a bit ambitious there. I'm, um, I'm yeah. desperate for one of these. Pro- I'm desperate for either footstock golf or football index golf. Um, because I'm, I'm big into my golf, and we'll get there one day. Yeah. I'm sure we will. A lot of people Might really want playing it. But... Yeah, tennis and golf. A lot of people want them for. I have no interest in tennis, but I, I definitely stick a wee punt on for like the Ryder Cup and things. But yeah, we're actually getting to- very towards the end. I feel we're already running on, but just very, very briefly again. Fi Lammings wants to know how much footstock's eating into your football index time, if at all, and what are your returns like in comparison. Okay, so um, my football index time is quite limited anyway. So I'm because of the div increases, I basically sat down at the end, start of November and said, right, um, I want a portfolio set up until around April, May time. So um, my port isn't really going to get touched other than the, if there's a big change in circumstances. So if, I don't know, I've got Madison and he breaks his leg, um, for example, obviously I'd, I'd dip into it and sell him. But um, yeah generally my port's now set up so i just access the app to check how it's doing and to monitor pb scores so um i don't spend much time on the index anyway at the moment so it doesn't really eat into that um i as i've mentioned i I do quite a few um fantasy teams as well so i I tend to find all the time kind of sits together you know if, if i'm looking at injury news for my fpl team that also bleeds into footstock and football index because I need to know which players are fit and playing at the weekend, etc. So it's I, I see it as a bit of a bundle, to be honest. Um, in in terms of returns, um, I think I'm guessing a little bit because I treat footstock more as fun than a, a profit making machine as FI. But um, I think since the start of the season, I think I'm on about forty percent ROI somewhere like that. Which to say we're only what three months in and it's a brand new product isn't bad at all. So um, yeah, I what what I tend to say to people who don't um, dabble in these things yet, um, I think football index is my kind of money making vehicle. Um, Footstock is my fun time plus a bit of money making, um, and I'm not sure what Sportstack is yet, but yeah, um, Footstock is probably less profitable, although I am making money on it. But it's a shitload of fun. Yeah. Well, look, we leave it there. I'd say, Tom, anyone who's still with us. You've listened for an hour and 45 minutes. Fair play to you. Where can people find you, Tom? Oh, now you're asking. Um, I think it's at Tom J. Mitchum on Twitter, I think. That sounds I'll tag right. things anyway. If you find me at IrishFI1, you'll find him very yeah. easily, Tom Mitchum. Is there anywhere else you'd like to be found, though, or just Twitter? Um, so I write for uh, Real FF, the fantasy draft site, so you can find my ramblings on there. Um, I'm in the Footstock Slack group um i think i'm now in a sports stack slack group so you can converse with me on there um that's probably about it um i am doing the london marathon in april so um i'll probably come begging all fi uh, people on twitter and slack and everything for sponsorships at some point um but no other than that um twitter's probably the easy one i guess good stuff well something i'd actually talked about doing with the charity pod here was supporting people who from the football next community who do fundraising so 
we'll um, as if that's the route we go down, we'll definitely fucking sponsor you. Cool. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway, yep. There we go. Tom, we'll wrap it up. Thanks a million for your time. I really appreciate it. This is it went on a bit, but um, we're we're done. Cool. Thank you very much for having me. It's uh, it's been fun. <laughs> I'm sorry about the tech issues no at the start. Ah, jeez, not mm. your problem. It's, it's probably I need to find something better to do it on. But look, I just have to assume. Go. Cheers, mate.